0: Hi, and welcome to the two crazy chicks podcast and just a disclaimer before today's episode begins while i cassie am a licensed therapist this podcast is not meant to take the place of therapy anything that is discussed in this podcast episode is meant to be educational and inspirational if you are seeking professional support please reach out to myself or stephanie and we can help you locate the resources you are looking for You can also use a directory such as Psychology Today or the Center for Apostolic Counseling. And you can go onto these websites and find a therapist in your state that would be able to help you. Hi, I'm Cassie. Hi, I'm Stephanie. And welcome to our podcast, Two Crazy Chicks. On today's episode, we are going to be talking about um, how people can have the same eating disorder, but different symptoms and different behaviors in that eating disorder. And we're actually going to talk today about like mine and Stephanie's eating disorders and the differences that we had, even though we both have the same one. Um, So Stephanie, if you want to start.
1: Yes. Um. So probably about I want to say about two years ago, possibly. I can't even remember the date anymore. But I was I was diagnosed professionally with um, restrictive anorexia nervosa, and I I did not at first. I was in complete denial about having an eating disorder. So even being diagnosed with something that I was very like, ah, you're lying. Like, even though she was a professional, she was a, she worked in a residential care for eating disorders. Um, And so this eating disorder person, this uh, doctor, therapist, whatever her license was, I do not, I do not know because I was in so much denial that I really, at the time, did not care who it was that was diagnosed to me. So I was freshly diagnosed a couple years ago. And before even being diagnosed, I was in denial. My therapist at the time would try very hard to get me to realize that I had an eating disorder. And nobody would, nobody would argue with me that I had one outside of my therapist because I had learned how to eat in front of people. And so, But I only ate 1,000 calories a day. And that's all that I would allow my body to have. And so when I was around at work, whether it was church function or just at home, and there was going to be my roommates who I was living with at the time were going to be home for dinner. I would eat in front of these people, but that was the only time that I would eat. Throughout the rest of the time, I would eat ice. I constantly ate ice. It was so much ice that I ate that people assumed that I was anemic because I craved ice so bad, but I craved ice because I could chew the ice and it would give that fake simulation to my body, letting me know that, Oh, I'm, I'm chewing. So my body's eating, but in reality I was chewing water. I wasn't getting nutrition. I wasn't getting any of that type of food. And so, and when I would eat over a thousand calories, I would work out even more so my workout routine is very specific I would get up in the morning at 4 30 and I went to the gym over in Greenfield Indiana and I would work out from the time they opened for an hour and I had the same routine that I would go through and it was only an hour so actually really probably wasn't that bad but when you're only eating a thousand calories in that hour I didn't eat before going to the gym and then I would go to the gym. And by the time I left, I burned about 300, 400 calories. And then all I would do is eat a thousand calories the rest of the day. <laughs> then after work, I would come back and I would go run. Um, and during the summer, spring, fall, I would run at a park. And I mean, and I would, I could run probably about 10, 12 miles a day. And that that burns off a lot more calories in the first place and then so and if i if i ate more than a thousand i would simply work out even more just to ensure that i wasn't i wasn't eating and having that extra calories in my body and so that's kind of the beginning stages of my um my start cassie what what was some of your beginning stages and how like you were diagnosed
0: So, um, unlike Stephanie, I was actually never diagnosed. Um, I just, I never went to see anybody to get professionally diagnosed. But if I had to guess, I had the same eating disorder as Stephanie, anorexia nervosa restrictive type. Um, My beginning stages of my ED actually started out as just a simple way of wanting to lose weight, get healthy again. But later on down the road, it turned into something a whole lot more. And what it started out as something very healthy, turned into something very dangerous. Um, I went from eating, you know, three meals a day to eating two meals a day and walking maybe six to eight miles. And then I went from eating two meals a day To only eating one meal a day and walking maybe about eight to 10 miles. And then one meal a day turned into a single bowl of oatmeal in a day and walking 15 to 20 miles in a day. So I would, like, I would exercise in the morning before I went to work. I would, um, exercise during my lunch break there was like a local park down the street from my office where I worked so I would skip lunch go to the park walk the track or if it was raining the local community college right down the street had an indoor walking track above their gym that was open to the public so sometimes I would go there if it was raining or if it was cold and walk over my lunch and then when I got home from work I would walk maybe I don't know anywhere between 8 to 10 more miles um, and then like so like Stephanie mentioned she ate a lot of ice I ate a lot of Tic Tacs because um, Tic Tacs have no calories in them if you have if you've never noticed that so I would eat a lot of Tic Tacs to just give my brain the impression that it was eating and that it was getting nutrition but the reality was it really wasn't um
1: yeah, that's I'm so interesting to- about like the Tic Tacs because when I couldn't get a hold of ICE at work, we had vending machines and there was, mm-hmm. um, there was Tic Tacs in our vending machines and that was like my... My to-go-to, if I couldn't get a hold of ice, I was like, mm, I'm going to go get those Tic Tacs from the vending machines, but I never realized that there wasn't calories. And when I, when the last time, mean, you talked about that, I um, actually had to look it up because I was like, no, there has to be some form of calories in Tic Tacs. <laughs> There's not, there is not calories in Tic Tacs, which is so ironic because even your banana, your fruit has calories. So I was like, how does uh-huh. that not get away with, how does that, how does it, how does a Tic Tac get away with not having calories in it in the first place? I thought that was so yeah. funny and ironic, but yeah. I was weird, very so.
0: surprised by that, too. When I first found that TikToks have no calories in them, I was like, what? And I just, I kept eating them.
1: So we're definitely not, like, endorsing TikToks. You know, they're not paying for anything over here, but go check them out. Go look at it for yourself. Don't don't just take our word for it. You need to go look at the calories in TikToks. It's pretty It's pretty unique.
0: Yep, so, it is. It and- is. <laughs> so yeah, I would eat a lot of Tic Tacs.
1: That's funny. That's funny. So kind of like with Cassie, as she started to go and and wanted to get healthy and stuff. You know, I weighed two hundred and forty five pounds before my eating disorder ever set in, and when I went to have the eating disorder before having the eating disorder, I literally just wanted to lose weight. I wanted to become healthy. I wanted to learn how to cook. I was eating nothing but processed food, TV dinners, stuff like that. If you eat that, that's totally, there's nothing wrong with that at all. But I wanted to learn to cook, eat, eat like more of the homemade meals that I was used to growing up. And so for that to, you know, I needed to learn to cook, eat healthy, and so I was trying to figure things out, but I ended up starting with counting calories, and not just calories, I counted my fat intake, my sodium intake, my sugar intake, my fiber intake, my protein intake, I, I counted everything down to a T my fitness pal started the entire thing and then i went to weight watchers and that added on to it now my fitness pal weight watchers i don't think is a wrong thing i think they both Mm -hmm. can be a very beneficial thing to help you uh you just can't take it as far as i took it um that's not that's i crossed the line between a healthy relationship with it and with a bad relationship with it i became Mm -hmm. obsessed with it and so it's kind of unique with that aspect that you know we both kind of started to want to get healthy and it went from an entire different ball game i really when i got down to my goal weight or when i started to lose weight i noticed that i was getting more compliments and more things and so it kind of fed my eating disorder you know not that that people who complimented me on my weight loss and oh you're looking great and things (laughs) like that nature they did nothing wrong. I want to make sure I say that there was nothing wrong with their comments. They were being generally encouraging and everything. They weren't trying to be mean. But for me, which they didn't know I was having, you know, a food problem. Um, it just it fed my mindset that I can never gain weight. I can never go back to that process. And so it kind of added to... To that aspect of life. Yeah. yeah. I mean,
0: and the same for me too. Like, people commented me on, oh, you look so great and you look very healthy and you look like you feel so much better. But they didn't know I was struggling with a food problem. So, and I didn't tell them. I was just, I accepted the compliments, but it fed into it because it made me want to lose more weight. Oh, they think I look good now wait until they see me when I lose five more pounds they're really gonna think
1: I look good yeah and that's I didn't want to go back to being 245 pounds I wanted to be that little person that I was getting complimented on so I was very scared I became scared of gaining weight which then insulted, I realized before I went to, my goal was to go to New York City before I turned 30. And what really set my eating disorder into a plunge off the deep end was I knew that I needed to be a certain weight before I went to, um, to New York City. And so when that happened, I was like, well, I can, I can, I can uh, restrict food intake and it not um and it helped me lose that extra weight that weight faster than before and so from that aspect I and when I went to the trip so I lost that weight and everything and when I went on to New York City I did what I needed to do and I came back and my goal was to come back and gain that you know add those calories back into my life. But I realized that, Hey, I restrict, I could, I could lose my extra weight a lot faster and get to my, my goal weight quicker than before. And so I never was able to gain those calories back. I eventually completely went to a thousand and that was the end of it from there. And for the next, next three years, I, I would eat just a thousand calories. There was no going back. My workout became even more intense. It was very that whole, I'm going to keep it. I'm going to make sure I maintain this weight. And no, I didn't look like skin and bone, you know, in my darkest moment. I looked very, my, my cheeks, someone once told me that my cheeks were very sunken in that we could see your cheekbones, which I've always had high cheekbones, but they were like, yeah, it's not right. They said, there's something not right. And they couldn't pinpoint it. And all I wanted to do was, no, I have an eating disorder. No, it's, there's nothing right about it. But you know, this is such a taboo topic that, you know, it's not, we don't talk about it. Cassie, what was the one thing that kind of like pushed you off the deep end? Kind of like where I went, I had to be a certain size and I went to New York. Mm -hmm.
0: I think it was like this idea of perfectionism. I had to be perfect and part of being perfect was looking perfect. And looking perfect meant being very thin. And once I achieved my goal of like where I wanted to be with my weights, and it was a very healthy weight, it suddenly was not good enough for me anymore because I didn't have room to gain it. You know, with where my weight was, I didn't have room to gain anymore if I wanted to stay where I was. So I just decided I was going to keep losing weight. Um, And then things, you know, my personal life got really um, stressful and really overwhelming and exercise just kind of became my escape from that. Um, it was my way of coping with the stress, coping with the everything that was going on. Because suddenly my safe spaces were not my safe spaces anymore. And exercise became that safe space.
1: I feel like exercise really can can be a good benefit for mental health. And and Cassie's the licensed therapist who can go Mm -hmm. more into depth with that than I can. But you know, when I first started working out, I realized that it helped my anxiety and depression really Mm -hmm. calm down and I was able to kind of live a life like stable yeah. when I would work out. You know, I always felt when I ran that I was, I could run away from my problems. Hence, that's a problem. You should be running away from your problems yeah. in the first place. You need to be able to face those. But I was able to kind of get that feeling of I'm running from my anxiety and depression. I'm leaving it back there. But then in reality with an eating disorder, it became my control. I could control how much food I intaked how much, um, how much workout I did to my body. So I feel like for, for eating disorders, a lot of times we hear that it's, it's a safe space for a lot of people working out. Cassie, is there, is there something like that goes along with working out with mental health?
0: Um, I think there is, I'd have to dig into more research about it, but I know for me, like after I worked out, like especially after a long day at work, and this was before the eating disorder really started, I just, I felt better emotionally. Like it was my way of just kind of like letting the stress of the day go, clearing my mind so I could have a relaxing evening at home with my book or with my TV show or whatever I was going to watch and my mind not dwelling on the events of the day that happened.
1: Yeah. What um? What kind of brought you to realization of an eating disorder? Well, at first, do you, Cassie, did you even have denial at the beginning that, hey, I have an eating disorder?
0: It wasn't until maybe a year after I started a recovery that I was actually finally able to admit I had an eating disorder. I called it from the time I started struggling with my eating disorder until a year after I started recovery – I called it every other name in the book, just not an eating disorder. I called it um, an unhealthy relationship with food. I called it, oh, I just struggle with healthy eating. Um, Oh goodness, I had so many other names for it. I can't remember them all now, but it was anything but an eating disorder. And then finally, a year after I started recovery, I was able to admit, hey, this is actually an eating disorder, not an unhealthy relationship with food. I mean, uh, it is an unhealthy relationship with food, but it's so much more than that.
1: Absolutely. I so understand where you're coming from because my therapist would argue with me. She's like, you have an eating disorder. I'm like, no, I don't. I have a food problem. Thank you. It's a food problem. That was what I always called it. Um It was never, it was never an eating disorder ever. I don't know when I finally, it was like probably two years into my eating disorder that I finally was like, maybe I have an eating disorder. And this was after being diagnosed. I still was like, maybe, I don't know if the, I don't know if the professional person who went to school for this is right. Like, let me, let me just be like, "Mm, you're not right. You're wrong. So, yeah. And I wonder if there's like a lot of people who are kind of like that, like, they don't want to admit they have an eating disorder because I feel like with the eating disorder, and this is just how I feel. Cassie could chime in and give her opinion on it. But I feel that we don't want to admit that we have eating disorder, especially within the church, because excuse me, because it is one of those things that it's, it's so taboo that it's kind of like oh, I have an eating disorder. Everybody feels like you have like this big germ on you. Like, oh, no, you really don't. Don't say that. No, let's call it something else. No, you're just healthy. You know, I feel like that's kind of the reality where we want to be like, no, don't say that. Just, we don't Mm -hmm. talk about that. Put that in your box. Save that for your time alone at home. Kind of thing. I mean, We don't want to come out and be like, hey, I have an eating disorder. I need help. Yeah, because
0: food, yeah, food is not something we should struggle with, according to most people, but it is even people like, I don't know, doing research and stuff like even people who do not have diagnosis of eating disorders, there are so many people out there though, that struggle with disordered eating, they may not have an official eating disorder diagnosis or enough like disordered eating behaviors to be officially diagnosed. But there are so many people out there that struggle with disordered eating. But we don't talk about it because we shouldn't struggle with food in the eyes of most people. Food is a natural thing. We need it for energy, for our bodies to get through our day and things like that. So we don't talk about it.
1: Yeah. And and it's not just like anorexia, you know, or bulimia. It's also on the other end of the spectrum, like binge eating. Like there is other types of disordered and eating disorder types that are not just you look like a skin and bones and we can see your ribs. Like that's not the only eating disorder. And I'm going to speak for myself. You, you looked at me and I did not look like skin and bones. I still looked, you know, like a very thin person, but I necessarily wasn't like you could see my rib cage. You know, and it was in that aspect, Cassie. Where, if, if Cassie, if this is too personal for you, but were you at that point in your life where you were more skin and bone? I was. Um, I got to that point in my eating disorder
0: where, I mean, I'll just say it. I weighed ninety three pounds at my lowest weight with my eating disorder. Um, I, I mean, you could see my collarbone sticking out of my skin. Um, If I didn't have, like, you know, if I was getting my pajamas on or changing my clothes or whatever, you could see my ribs poking out. Um, My face looked like that of an old person. You know, of someone who was elderly. I shouldn't have said old. (laughs) But of an elderly person because it was just so wrinkled and sunken in because I, I had no meat on my bones. I had no muscle. I was pretty much all skin. And that was the lowest I ever let my weight get. Um, I'm not proud of it, but also at the time, it was what I was comfortable with. And I thought I looked great at that weight, in my eyes. It wasn't until people started pointing out to me, that I realized, you know, other people were starting to notice that I was struggling because it was becoming very obvious. Like, even though I thought I looked great, there were a couple of people that were trying to tell me, hey, you need to stop and you need to start eating food and getting healthy again because you, you're done. You've had enough. You look terrible. That's pretty much what they told me.
1: Which in my case, I'm what, what I believe is, how
0: much did that actually help you? Um, with a couple people, it really hurt me because it only stressed me out more. But there was one person, um, my pastor's wife at the time, when she told me that even though I ignored her words in the moment, they actually stuck with me and then a few
1: weeks later i actually reached out to her and asked her for help yeah i feel like we need to be careful what we say because there is people in our lives that we know that are coming from a more prayer perspective godly perspective who aren't coming at us and being like you just need to eat your food like that's enough go ahead just eat you know where they they might not mm-hmm. be trying to be mean or hateful to us but they're not really coming at it from No, I I have prayed about how to say this to you, and I have heard from God how to say this to you, and people that we look up to in reality, because there is some Mm -hmm. people that we really – that kind of are mentors, and they're able to come to us and tell us and give us that constructive criticism. Cassie, what were you going to say? She even later
0: told me, like, I don't know, maybe a few months later, that she even questioned whether or not she should have said that to me. But I told her, I was like, even though in the moment I uh, did not make me happy and I basically ignored what you said, your words stuck with me. And it was a couple weeks after that that I made the decision to reach out to her and ask her for her help. Because I knew at that point that I needed to do something or I was going to die from my eating disorder.
1: And, and speaking of like that moment, so Cassie, isn't it accurate? I'm going to let the mental health side kind of speak more of this. But eating disorders are the number one cause of death in mental health. Is that correct, Cassie?
0: I believe so.
1: And, that, and that's second to suicide or opioids.
0: Yes, I believe so. I'd have to go back and double-check the research, but I think that's what I found.
1: Okay. Which, you know, and that, that kind of is sad that we... Which, do not get me wrong. Suicide, opioids, all of it... All of it is extremely important. But we don't talk about the number one mental health. You know, like yeah. eating disorders. And like Cassie said, she could have died from hers. And now I, I... If I would have kept going the way I was, probably in three four months, I would have probably went ahead and been had to have been admitted into the hospital because of the way I was going. Because I would not eat, I would not. It was a thousand calories, and it was that I was working out. Your brain needs for about four hundred calories to even function. So a a mm-hmm. toddler, a toddler eats twelve hundred calories a day for a normal body, a normal function. And so exactly, so me as a 30 year old eating a thousand calories, like what was I, what was going on in my body mm-hmm. and things like that. So eating disorders, whether it's a binge eating or anorexia, it can kill you and it will kill you if it is not taken care of. And yeah. And to be honest, I don't know
0: how I was not hospitalized at that point, I never was hospitalized. I don't know how. It's only by a miracle that I wasn't, I mean, cause I could barely walk up the stairs without feeling like I was gonna pass out. I could barely make my bed without feeling like I was gonna pass out. Like, and I just felt so, um, that's what I'm looking for. So dizzy and lightheaded that every move I made, I felt like I was gonna pass out. So I don't know how I was not hospitalized because truthfully, I should have been.
1: Yeah. And I totally get that aspect. I remember going on a little mini trip, just like kind of a Friday, Saturday, Sunday morning, I was coming back for Sunday night service. And I remember being on that trip and I still really wasn't eating, but we did a lot of extreme like walking and working and, and doing a bunch of different activities And I really wasn't eating much at all because I I knew I was in a new place and I wasn't able to calculate all the food and things like that. And I remember coming back to church and I had to, I was going to play in the orchestra and even playing my, so I play a bass clarinet. If you don't know what that is, I am five, two, and it is about, it is, it is bigger than half my size. Okay, So it is, I don't know, about like my chest height instrument. Okay. And I'm five, two. So it's a, it's a pretty big instrument. takes a lot of your wind out of you. And so I had like gone up to the platform and I was going to play in the orchestra at church. And I remember we played our opening song and then there was this song that we were going to be playing with the choir. And I remember being like, I played through that. I played through the morning, the opening song. And then like, I kind of played here and there with the choir singing and things like that. And then we had a song that we had to play with the choir. And I get to that song and halfway through I remember all I could feel. I was like, I'm gonna pass out. I'm gonna sit in this chair on top of the platform and I'm about to hit the ground. And all I could think of was I was praying, like, God, please, you need to end this song quickly. God, end this song so I can get up and leave. Cause I was like, I'm not passing out on the platform. And I remember that being like my go-to, like, I can't believe I've allowed myself to get this far to where I'm about to, I'm sitting, I'm not even standing. I'm playing an instrument that I have played for years and I am sitting on a platform and I am about to pass out because I can't play the instrument because I don't have enough breath in my body anymore to be able to play that instrument. Yeah. I mean,
0: I have a few pictures of myself from that time and I don't let anybody see those pictures. I don't even like looking at those pictures, but I can't bring myself to delete them because it reminds me of like where I was and how far I've become or how far I've come since then. And it reminds me that that person, you know, three years ago was very unhealthy, very angry. And I don't wanna get back to that person. So I use those pictures as a reminder to myself to stay healthy keep eating like I should so I don't get back to that girl.
1: Yeah. Now what brought you over that hump of this is it. I need to I need to get better. What kind of helped you?
0: Um it was a moment I had in the bathroom mirror actually. Um I remember like I was getting ready to take a shower, going through my normal routine of getting ready for the shower and I was standing there and I turned around to grab my towel off the bathroom sink to go grab something out of my room really fast. And I caught a glimpse of myself in the mirror. And when I did, like I saw, I saw what everyone else had been seeing and pointing out to me for the first time in a long time. And I actually started sobbing, could not stop crying. Um, I think I stood there in front of the mirror for like five minutes, bawling my eyes out because I hated what I saw. I hated how I felt. I hated myself. And I remember um, continuing through my shower, crying my eyes out through my shower, um, getting my clothes back on, brushing out my hair, crying my eyes out during that time. I went to my bedroom and closed my door, because at the time I still lived with my parents um, and that no one was home at the time except for me, but I knew my dad was gonna be back home soon and I didn't want him to come home and find me pretty much a hot mess. So I went in my room and closed my door and I think I cried for another like 20 or 30 minutes. And it was then that I realized like, you need help or you're going to die. But even then, It took me two days to actually reach out and text my pastor's wife and ask her for help. And it took me a week, another week to actually start getting healthy again, because I was scared. Um... I had become so comfortable with where I was that I was scared to get healthy again, scared of what I would look like if I regained the weight. Am I going to get, you know, gain a lot of weight again that I hate myself again and go back, right back to where I was? Or can I gain weight again at a healthy rate and stay where I want
1: to be weight-wise
0: that's healthy for me?
1: Yeah, I t- I totally I totally get that Cassie very much. I think like what brought me over my hump was when I went to uh Cedar Point and I love roller coasters. If you know me, I have ridden roller coasters since I was 5 years old and I am a massive thrill seeker. I I think the bigger the roller coaster, the faster the roller coaster, the better. They are my favorite thing to ride. And I went to Cedar Point, not this past summer, the summer before. And, no, I'm this past summer, and I, I couldn't make it through the park. At one point, I had to, I had to set. We rode one of the rides. It was kind of on the like a Ferris wheel, and we were able to, and I was able to set. And I realized when I was up in the Ferris wheel that I was, I was miserable and I couldn't ride the rides. The rides were giving me headaches and I was feeling like I was going to pass out and I knocked it off as, Oh, I'm getting older, you know, but I was like, no, I don't think that's it. I I just, I don't feel like that's it. I couldn't really walk. I couldn't, it hurt to keep going. I loved it and I pushed myself, but I realized the very next day that I ended up regretting it because I had so many like blackout moments During that Sunday, that I had to just constantly, I got home from church and laid on my floor because I couldn't, I couldn't even focus my eyes. My body had worn itself completely out and there was no more going for myself where I had. And then I realized, no, I think I need a lot more help than what I'm getting at the moment and stuff. And so from then on, it took a long time. And eating, eating a thousand calories has still been you know, a struggle. Like I always, I have to like knock out the calorie portion. And unfortunately I know so much about the calorie intake of a good majority of food that it's hard to ever forget how much calories is something because I'm so used to reading the labels and tracking that, you know, and me and Cassie were diagnosed with the same, but Cassie, you got blood work done towards the beginning of your recovery started, correct yeah what did that blood work look for you like did your doctor notice anything
0: uh, like it was all normal except for my whites blood cell count was high than it should have been it was higher than it should have been which it's normal back to normal now
1: Which I find that so ironic that we both have had blood work done towards the beginning of our recovery stages and everything's been normal except for our our cell, our white cell. So Cassie, yours was high and just to backtrack a little bit, she only ate a thousand, like she only ate a bowl of oatmeal and Mm -hmm. mine where I ate a thousand calories, actually mine was low. And so that's so ironic that We have a normal blood work, but our, both of us have our white blood cells. One is high and one is low. So it's so, so it's just kind of ironic that we both have the same type of eating disorder. yet We both handled it in so different aspects of life.
0: Yes. It's, it is really interesting because, but it goes to show you that like you can have the same eating disorder, but each person, the symptoms present differently um how you eat, how you exercise, how you restrict. Um like I'll go back to what Stephanie ate ice, I ate tic Tacs, and, and, <laughs> and it just so calories. And do no calories.
1: Neither one has no, there's calories. There's no nutrition in, <laughs> no in either one of them. At least I got water. <laughs> I got water yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I, that. I, I don't recommend eating ice though. So I ate one of the other two tic-tacks because ice ice just damages your teeth. My dentist Oh my my dentist hates that I chose ice to eat. Like, like, you have grounded your teeth so much. Uh, I like, well, I ate the good ice and she's like, What's good ice? And I was like, you know, the ice that's like from Sonic or Chick-fil-A. That (laughs) Yes. So bad. It was so bad with my ice intake that I would go either to Sonic or Chick-fil-A and buy a five pound bag of ice every other day because most of that ice would be gone in 48 hours oh wow yeah so that's uh, people at work would buy me ice because they thought it was funny but they had no idea ice? yeah because i constant i'm constantly cold but here i am with a big humongous cup of ice in my hand you know and they're like well, no wonder you're cold you're eating ice but i couldn't <laughs> I, I couldn't because if i did like my body was like hey i'm hungry so I ate ice. Exactly. So, okay.
0: Yes. Oh, ice another ice thing. Yeah. I don't either. Another thing I would do too, and I don't know if you did this or not, Stephanie, but I would drink a lot of diet sodas because the carbonation also gave me the sense that I was full.
1: <clears throat> so I didn't do the diet soda, which I drink diet soda. I love I love my Coke Zero, but I love um, sparkling water. So I did that mm-hmm. with a lot of sparkling water. Because I could get different flavors like blueberry, pomegranate, things like that. Yeah. I would do that instead of the diet soda. So I get the carbonation.
0: Yeah. So yeah, because with the carbonation, I don't know if you've ever drank like a diet soda or soda of any kind and just felt like full after drinking it. But I think that carbonation gives your stomach like the sense that, hey, you ate something, you're full. Mm
1: -hmm. It gives gives you that bloating sensation. And you're like, I had something in my belly exactly really, 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 in reality you didn't no offense you just either need to burp or fart either one
0: exactly you and then, the, r- then r- yep yeah, and then that bloating won't disappear <laughs>
1: absolutely and then you're stuck with plan a and let's go back to to the whole news story again. So yep. it's just kind of that you're just—it's a circle. It's a repeated circle all the time. I, th- I feel like an <laughs> eating disorder is kind of like a rabbit—and not a rabbit. Um, what's that animal called that goes on a circle? Sur- a gerbil. You're just kind of on it, like a gerbil on a on a wheel, and you're just constantly mm-hmm. going around in circles because that's all you can think of and stuff. Yes. And So, as we wrap up this this one, this is a reminder that it doesn't matter what one person has with their eating disorder, whatever that is, don't compare your eating disorder to someone else's because me and Cassie, were almost, we're around the same age. We have the same eating disorder, but we handled it very differently. She weighed less than a hundred Hundred pounds, and I weighed 115 at my lowest. So it, it doesn't yeah. matter. The what matters is when you have the disordered eating thoughts or the eating disorder thoughts. Is it's time to get help, whether it be from your pastor, your pastor's wife, somebody you look up to in the church that you can trust, or a licensed therapist. And Cassie, if you want to throw out where they can find yeah. a licensed therapist in their area, because we do. This is not therapy whatsoever.
0: Yeah. So some of the resources you can check out if you're struggling with an eating disorder or struggling with mental health in general um, include the Center for Apostolic Counseling, which the website for that, I believe, is um, apostoliccounseling.org. And on there, you can go and search by state for a therapist that's located in your state. Um, You could also check out Psychology Today to locate a therapist that's in your states. And another resource, if you do struggle with an eating disorder specifically, also go to um, the National Eating Disorder Association, which is the website for that is nationaleatingdisorders.org. And they have a hotline where you can either call, text, or instant message. And they can also help you. Um, help talk you through whatever is going on or hopefully help locate um, trained eating disorder therapists in your state. Um, Or if you live in Indiana, you can reach out to Greater Purpose Counseling and Greater Purpose Counseling
1: would be happy to help. glad you mentioned the National Eating Disorder uh, website because that's actually where I first started looking for eating disorder because the therapist that I was at at the time did not specialize in eating disorders. And so she really wasn't sure the best route on how to handle that as a mental health therapist. She -hmm. dealt with my anxiety, depression, and suicidal moments. Um, but So I I ended up reaching out to the uh, National Eating Disorder Association just through uh, their online chat. It's a live chat. It's connected Mm 24-7 to somebody. I'm not really sure how that works on that end. but there's someone always there. And with and I think like, I joined the chat and within like, I think five minutes, somebody was on the line with me talking and whatever I needed to talk about, like they were able to there, but then they also sent me a bunch of like therapists in my areas and they, were, they sent me Christian ones, non-Christian ones, residential care. And they were able to even email me my entire script of what we talked about on the chat. So that's a really good resource for eating disorders. It
0: really is. And there's also, like, tons of, like, um, information on that website as well about eating disorders, what to look for in an eating disorder. Even there's even a screening tool you can use to determine if you do have an
1: eating disorder. Um, yeah, and they even, like, when they, when you take it, it even, like, ranks it kind of, like, what... What are they thinking what is it disordered eating mm-hmm. eating disorder and stuff like that because i remember taking that and i actually took that test like several several times because i was like mm, you're lying you're not <laughs> so isn't that funny how psychology? we don't yeah isn't it even funny i find it funny that we don't even believe like what the doctors say sometimes or what all these screening tools are saying because we're in such denial about it if i even like googled eating disorder test after that like I think I took it like four times and I was like, mm, I'm going to Google other ones and they're all going to tell me I'm, I don't have one. Yeah. They all told me I had an ED disorder. <laughs> As we wrap it up, thank you so much for joining Cassie and I, we really appreciate it. And what we talked about today, we hope this helps you. And hopefully if you are struggling, you'll be able to reach out to someone very soon. We're praying for all of our listeners out there. So God bless and have a wonderful day, evening, night, whenever you're listening to this, have a